Hi friends, it's Autumn. Today we are chatting with Nikki Candelora, who is also known as Oath to Growth on all social media platforms. And before I say anything about her, this episode is really, really good. I feel like I needed it. I think that it was fate that she was on the podcast. I think it was exactly what I needed in my life, like giving me some sort of direction in my spiritual journey. So I hope that it can help some of you guys. And we're going to ask her all things on starting your spiritual journey, manifestation, and shifting into an abundance mindset. Nikki is an expansion coach and creates content on how to grow past limitations and unlock your highest potential. And this episode is just really amazing. So let's get into it. Hello, Nikki. Thank you so much for joining us. We're really, really excited to have you today. Oh, thank you guys so much. You know, it's so funny because I literally wrote down on a list one day that I wanted to be on a podcast. And after I did that, I'm not even kidding. I have been asked to be on four different podcasts in the past month. And this is my first one. Yay. Hopefully we can kick things off to like a really strong start. And um, yeah, we've just been really, really excited to have you on. So thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I love that. That's so cute because I feel like we're going to get all into manifestation and writing down your dreams and stuff. So that's like a perfect uh, kickoff, I guess. But um, I'd love to learn more about like how you got into this space, how you kind of started to get in touch with your spirituality. I feel like it's something I'm very interested in, but I don't know where to start. And there's so much information out there and also a lot of like conflicting information and you want to it's very like you want to be respectful in the space so yeah I'd love to know kind of like how you got here how you got introduced to this world of course and I think when people talk about their spiritual journey the first thing to note is that the beginning is usually not very pretty and you kind of experience something that a lot of people call the dark night of the soul and that essentially is going through a very rough and hard time in your life where you're kind of forced to turn inwards. And for me, I went through, you go through multiple of these in your life and each one gets a little deeper and deeper and you really start to reflect more on what the meaning of life is and all of these things that spirituality, spirituality kind of points to. But I would say my, my darkest dark night of the soul that led to me diving into spirituality really came during COVID. And I think a lot of people can relate to this, which is why I think there has been this mass awakening. Um, but for me, my journey really began with just kind of questioning everything that was going on and not really understanding it to its fullest. So I started going online and really diving deeper into like, what is going on in this world? Like what is happening? And for me, that really led to me seeing the dark entities that exist within this world. And what happens when you're on this journey is when you visit the dark, you're also then forced to see the light. And that took a while for me to get there. I went through a very dark period in my life. Um, I would say when it, when I first moved to California, I was not really the happiest person. And that discomfort and that unhappiness, it led for me to pick up a lot of resources and tools such as spiritual books, um, watching YouTube videos and anything that would get me to feel like there was some sort of hope. And that hope turns to excitement and love and you start really being exposed to the other end of the spectrum, which is this light. Um, and 
when I started to really understand that our reality is so much more than what we perceive it to be. We have so much more control than what we believe we do. So the spiritual path led from, I would say, the dark night of the soul or maybe depression led me to really turning to all these tools and resources, which led to me realizing how much control we have over our realities and really led to me learning about manifestation and energy. So there was this beautiful sequence that occurred, but to answer, to answer your question, spirituality really rooted from the dark, dark periods in my life. I a hundred percent relate to that. I feel like every depressive episode I've been through, it like forces you to look and think what actually is going to make me happy? Like, what do I actually value in life? Mm-hmm. And I always come out of each depressive episode I've been in like stronger and very at peace and so I was telling Jordan that I was like I've been kind of in a funk lately a little bit and the one thing that's getting me through is I just know that this low is going to bring me to like a stronger high Mm -hmm. I don't really know how I'm going to get to the stronger high but I do know that it's going to come and so one thing I've been trying to lean into is like meditation and spirituality but I just feel like sometimes it feels like there's so much and it can feel overwhelming. So I don't really know where to start. And so do you have any tips for someone who like has had a history of meditation, but like right now they're in a funk, like how would you recommend kind of getting into that groove? Yeah, of course. And I think it really comes down to, this is something I tell my clients all the time is like, lean into what resonates with you because there is so much information out there because every single person is at a different stage of their journey. So to figure out what information you want to be taking on at a specific time, it, it's about leaning into the things that are like, oh, that sounds good. Oh, okay. That actually really did help me. Oh, that visualization meditation is like amazing. It made me feel so good. I'm going to keep doing that. And to really silence the noise and all of that chaos that we're all hearing, because like, this is such a, such a buzz type of like industry right now, right? Like everyone's talking about spirituality and manifestation and personal development. So it's really, really important to use your own inner compass. And I think that's where we all get really overwhelmed is when we stop turning inwards and we think that the answers are outside of ourselves. So It's really about returning back to everything that makes you feel good and picking up the books that resonate with you as opposed to the book that you saw an influencer post and now you feel like you need to read it, right? It's really about tapping into like what frequency you are currently living on and then figuring out who are the people that are also there? What are they doing? Oh, this person experienced something that I experienced as well. What did they do to get out of it? And really narrowing that path down to just your internal compass. Does that make sense? You mentioned like that this is a buzzword and a buzz topic, which I totally agree. And I think one of the things that people struggle with and I struggle with is like, and I mean, obviously this is kind of, this is the whole point, but like, is like defining spirituality per person, I think. Um, So when you're talking about your spiritual journey and you know, like these practices that you've under undergone, do you have a definition for like what it encompasses, what you're practicing to kind of like bucket these things or does it just, is it like very evolving and I don't know. Yeah, of course. So I think like the foundation of my personal spiritual practice is really 
knowing and believing that we are guided by somehow a higher power. And it's in that knowing that we can surrender to this life that we're on. And part of this healing journey combined with the spiritual journey is really having trust that your soul was brought to this planet, to this world with a specific journey that it is meant to go down. So in those moments in life, when things are really hard, a lot of times people will turn to spirituality because it gives them that reassurance that they are exactly where they're meant to be. And that hardship that they're going through, just like Autumn just said, is quite literally meant for them in order to build strength and courage for them to reach that next level in life, right? So like if we can truly understand and grasp onto this idea that we are exactly where we're meant to be, like us sitting right here recording this podcast, like this was meant to be, then every single thing that we are going through in life we can find meaning from it. And we can really start seeing that other side of the coin where there's strength and growth. So essentially it's hard to define what a spiritual path is or what spirituality is. But to me, it really is having trust that there's a higher power here, Mm -hmm. whether it be a combined consciousness or you want to call it God or the universe, right? Like anything that you want to label this as there's something that exists that is allowing us to surrender to life's journey. Yeah, and I think that there, I agree that when people are going through hardship, they like to turn to whatever their version of spirituality or religion is because it gives them hope. And I'm wondering, I know that in like terms of therapy, when everyone goes to therapy when they're having a hard time or they like try to get into therapy when they're having a hard time, but then therapists tend to say that the sessions where you feel like you have nothing to talk about and that you should just cancel because you're actually like good and you don't need it, those tend to be some of the most powerful and strongest ones. So like when you feel like you don't need the work, it's probably when you should dive in even more. Do you feel like that translates to spirituality? Because I think that's where I kind of am as I'm like, when I'm low, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to meditate. And then, I, then I'm like, oh, I'm good again. And then I'm like, fuck it. I'll just party and do whatever I want. And then I'm like, I need to meditate again. (laughs) So do you feel like it kind of translates over into this world as well? Oh yeah, completely. And it's so funny you bring this up because I think this is something um, that has been very top of mind for me. Like these cycles where you swing back and forth on the pendulum of like going all out with your, your spiritual routines and your mental health routines and your physical routines. So then feeling so good that you kind of start slipping and you start Mm -hmm. going down that downward spiral. Um, So for me on this journey, it's really about understanding that these practices are a lifestyle. It's not a journey to become something because every time you sit down to meditate, the goal isn't to become something or to transform into something, the goal in that meditation session is to tap into your inner being. So if we can make that a routine, then we're golden because we're, al- we're always going to have that close relationship to ourselves. And I am not meditating every single day. I am not doing my routines every single day. And something I'm learning is that it is so important to honor the sides of you that want to go out and have fun 
that want to go out and dance and, and party, right? Like as soon as we start suppressing those sides of ourselves, that's when we enter those cycles of self-sabotage. I do quotation marks because it's, I don't want to really call it that, but then we start restricting ourselves. And when we then expose ourselves to that side of ourselves, it's like, it comes out full force. And that's when we start going down that downward spiral, as opposed to really honoring, okay, like, I want to just skip my routine today and maybe like go have a drink with someone. If we don't put shame towards that and allow ourselves to really experience that side of life as well, then we come back to our routines with grace, as opposed to feeling like we're now going on this downward spiral, which is that what causes the downward spiral. So when you talk about your spiritual routines, what are like your, like, what is like your non-negotiables? It doesn't have to be every day. Cause it sounds like you don't necessarily do them every day, but like, what are your top kind of like tactics or tools to tap into your spirituality? Yeah. So journaling is one that is like my number one. If there are days where I don't feel like working out, picking up my journal, I know is something that always is such a release for me. Um, I heard this quote once, I'm not going to say it word by word, but it essentially was saying like, when you try and do a really difficult math problem in your head, it's so hard to complete. But if you have a piece of paper and you write everything down and you're able to do all the different types of parts of the equation, you're able to find those answers. So life is the exact same way. And with journaling, it's so important to be able to view yourself from that outside perspective and really question what it is you're doing, how you're feeling, and what am I feeling? What are these habits that I've been leaning into lately? It really gives you that, that bird's eye perspective of what it is you're doing. And you start to connect the dots on, oh, okay, maybe I've been feeling this way because I've been going out too much and not really leaning into my routines. Maybe I can just start to lean into my routines a little more. You really start to see things from a bird's eye view. The next thing that I absolutely love to do is um, visualization meditations. So I can go on and on about like the power of visualization, but really getting clear on what it is you want to manifest and attract. And then using visualization practices to imagine that coming to fruition and shifting your entire energetic state to get ready for the day. Um, and then movement, of course, is like so, so important. And then just to go back to the journaling, I have this little structure that I do. I share it on my page. It's called, um, I think I, I labeled it like the 322 method. And it's three minutes of mind dump journaling, like literally writing anything that's on your mind. Um, and then three pieces of gratitude or it's three, three, three. I forget what the numbers were, but three pieces of gratitude and then three affirmations. And essentially what you're doing is you're releasing any energy, any stagnancy by unloading and mind dumping any thoughts that are on your mind. And then three pieces of gratitude, you're shifting your energetic state into a state of gratitude. Cause usually when we wake up, our cortisol levels are everywhere. We're stressed. And if we can really take a moment to just remember what it is we're grateful for that we already have, we, we shift our energetic state. So listing three pieces of gratitude. And then I love to do affirmations, leaning into affirmations that I'm currently working on rewiring. So um, I actually have them on a sticky note too, but I love to affirm that we are co-creating our reality with the universe. 
Because when I remind myself of that each day, then I go about my day with such a different energy because now I'm sitting in the seat of the driver's seat as opposed to the passenger seat, which is where I think a lot of us tend to sit on autopilot. So the affirmations are huge, really affirming things that you want to feel and embody that day. So the journaling, movement, visualization, meditations, I would say those are my top three. And with journaling, do you, I know you said you're 333 or whatever numbers, whatever the numbers are, do you mainly stick to that? Or do you also do some sort of like prompts? Because I think for me, when I'm journaling, sometimes I, I do the same kind of brain dump affirmation, like gratitude thing. When I, when I do have a practice of journaling, I don't currently, but when I do, that's what I try to do. But sometimes I find myself being like, I don't have anything to say. Like, I'm just kind of like, I don't know what to say in this brain dump. And then I just feel like juvenile writing, like nothing is going on. Like today was kind of boring. And I, so sometimes I'm thinking like, oh, maybe I should start looking into prompts. So have you ever dabbled with the prompts? Like, do you have any that you recommend or do you mainly just do like your brain dump uh, affirmation and gratitude? Yeah, I feel like some simple prompts that you can really lean into is like, what would make today great? I feel like that's a classic one that a lot of people lean into. And if you don't feel like you're in a certain state that needs to be released or any emotional state that you want to discuss in that moment, you can talk about that day or that upcoming day. And another little manifestation practice is to talk about everything as if it's already completed. So like today was an amazing day. I did this, this, and this. I felt this way and really start to embody all that you desire to be for that day. So sometimes I grab my journal and yeah, same thing. You just like, don't really feel anything and you're just kind of sitting there. So you write down what you could do to make that day great. And then also another thing that you could write if you're journaling at the end of the day is just some reflections, like what made today great? What did I do today that I was really proud of myself for? Because that's something that we tend to just bypass. Like what have we done that we should be proud of? Instead of focusing on the next thing of like, okay, I need to do this. Let's take a moment to like reflect, like, what did I do today? That was freaking incredible. Um, but yeah, really just leaning into what you can do to make that day great. Um, some other journal prompts that I really love are all a little manifestation focused, but you could break down your life into categories and do that practice of writing things that have already happened, but for each category of your life, your finances, your relationship, um, your career. And it's really just all about personal preference. If you want to write down for that day, you could do that day, you could do that week. But when you sit down with your journal, I would say, figure out what your intention is. Is it to release or is it to shift your energy? Is it to get excited for the day? And if you can really pinpoint what your intention is with that journal, you can become, you could be more clear on what it is that you want to write down. So lately I've been deep in my healing journey and feeling all the feels. So I wake up in the morning and I'm like crying, writing like, oh, this hurts. But my intention when I wake up and pick up my journal, it's more so to release and to feel and to really honor the emotions that are coming up. Um, and sometimes when we're not feeling anything, we can also sit there and just take a moment and breathe and really start to pinpoint what emotions come forward. 
So if you have a meditation practice, even if it's five minutes, maybe doing the meditation before the journaling so that you can allow emotions to come forward that want to come forward. Sometimes when we wake up and have our journal, we're just like, ah, got to get this done. Got to go on with my day. But really creating a space for yourself and time and just a, a moment. I like to make tea. I like to light a candle. I like to be in a room where there's an incense burning really just sets the tone and having that intention, I think is also key. So can you talk a bit more about energetic states? I feel like, again, buzzwords, I have seen a lot of like high level, uh, conversation about energetic states. And I think I have a general grasp of what it, what they're talking about, but I don't know much about them. I would love for you to talk about like kind of in general, how do you shift your energy? What's the point? Why do, why are people talking about energetic states and chat a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. So essentially we're all just energetic beings, right? Like on a cellular level, we are just vibrating atoms and the way that we feel produces a certain frequency that's emitted outwards. And each emotion has a different frequency to it. And this is where you could start to get a little um, toxic positivity because people hear this and they say, oh no, negative emotions equal bad, positive emotions equal good. When in reality, we are humans that are here to feel the full spectrum of emotions. And it's actually when we lean into feeling those lower vibrations that we're able to transcend them and release them. And when we don't allow ourselves to feel those emotions, let's say like we feel um, anger and we just go out and drink a bunch and suppress all those emotions until we're blackout drunk, that energy, right? Because emotions are energy that would just be kind of suppressed within the body and cause energetic blockages. So this spectrum of emotions, it's really, really important that when you have lower vibrations, negative emotions, whatever you want to call them, arise in your body to sit with it and to feel it and to honor it and to really identify where it is in the body so that you can start to move that energy through movement or maybe crying or screaming in a pillow, right? Like we all go through hardships in life and we will feel lower vibrations, but it's what we do with those emotions that tell us where we will go, whether it will be taking on more lower vibrations or releasing it and then kind of going up that scale. And it's kind of a buzzword today because of this whole manifestation um, kind of, I don't know if I should call it a fad, but like this whole world of manifestation and law of attraction, people hear that and they're like, oh my God, I can, I can only be in this high vibrational state or else I'm going to manifest really bad things. And that's leading to a lot of suppression of negative emotions, which is something that I experienced, I would say at the beginning of this year. Um, and it's really, really important to, to honor those emotions. Um, another thing that is really important with these energetic states is that we do create our realities based off of the energy that we live in. So it's really important to allow ourselves to live in the present moment. So if we're always thinking about the past and thinking about something that went wrong in our life and reminiscing on that, that memory, essentially what we're doing is we're bringing in that energy into our present moment 
to a point where we literally are manifesting very similar situations, right? Because we're bringing that energy into our present and our present moment energy is becoming our reality. So this is why it's so important to release our emotions because when we sit with them and we feel them and we honor them and we cry about them and we journal about it and we release it, we're able to move on and we're able to enter a higher level of being. So another really important thing is to not stress about the future because that's the exact same thing, right? We're dragging in that stressful energy into the present and essentially manifesting a stressful present moment reality. So some practices to really focus, to, to practice being in the present moment is meditation, right? Because that's essentially training the brain to be in the present and walking around outside and maybe putting your phone away and just noticing things around you. Oh, wow. Look at that flower. That's really pretty. Oh, wow. Look how sunny it is outside. And just soaking up the present moment. It sounds silly, but these tiny practices are what allow you to train the brain to not always be thinking in the past or the future and to come into the present moment. Because when you're in the present, you realize that a lot of the problems we're stressing about are just made up in the mind, right? If you can really focus on the present moment when you're feeling those levels of anxiety and stress and just calm yourself with your breath and bringing yourself back to this moment right now, you're in a completely different energetic state. So it's just, there's so much information and I think we're cherry picking what information is important and we're putting it on blast online and people are getting confused and it's causing a lot of stress. So it's really, really important to understand that our emotions are here to help us. And when we feel any sort of emotion that is uncomfortable to, to lean into that and transcend it into power and strength. I feel like people get so intimidated or like reject the idea of spirituality because they're like, oh, it's woo-woo, like whatever. And I think it's interesting that you're saying that because literally what I worked in on or on in therapy like two weeks ago was making present moment observations when I'm like in an anxious state. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because a lot of this is like, like that was my, like I'm, my therapist has a PhD in clinical psychology. <laughs> like that's what she learned is like when you are in an anxious state, like it's like the senses thing where you like say five things you can see four things you can hear three things you can touch like two things you can smell and one thing you can I don't know so it's that one um and it sounds so much like that and I think I don't know it's interesting the more I learn about all of this stuff how intertwined it is and how a lot of it is just different labeling of like the same concepts and it's very approachable um so yeah thank you for sharing I think that's really interesting I was gonna say the same exact thing because we just did an episode on like how to get out of an emotional rut and towards the end, we talked about my, one of my biggest tips for like any sort of emotional rut is just taking time to like be still and be present and be quiet and not have like a constant inflow of information all the time. Like people don't even realize that in their five minute drive to the grocery store, they can't deal with the silence. It's a podcast. It's a song they have in the grocery store. It's a podcast. It's a song. Like there's never silence. A lot of people currently, just because we have such 
easy access to anything you want all the time. So it's hard to resist. But the reason we talked about that was more from like a dopamine brain makeup standpoint, but in the same way, like, yeah, it is a a vibrational piece as well. Like just to come back to your own self and sense your own inner energy of what's going on. If you don't have any time for stillness or silence, you're just going to continuously mask whatever actually is going on inside your body. Yes. I totally understand though, because it is hard when these things that are constantly surrounding us, they're so addicting. So it's hard to break that cycle. And people are like, oh, it sounds so boring. I don't want to be boring. But it's like, but if you move through the boringness of it, you can find a piece through yep. all. And the piece is better than boring. And it will feel boring in the beginning, but you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly what I mean by us not feeling our feelings. It's in those moments where we pick up our phone because we don't want to be alone with our thoughts. But what if we figured out what those thoughts were saying and we started to question them? Why am I thinking this? Like in those five minute drives to the grocery store, what if we didn't check our phone at every red light and we sat with ourselves, right? And really listened to that voice in our head of like, okay, what is going on? And started being mindful and aware of what is being said by the ego and the emotions we're feeling. Cause that is when we get to revolutionize our entire life. When we really start to identify, oh, I think I've been feeling this way and not allowing myself to feel this way because I've just been nonstop on my phone, watching TV, um, going out partying as soon as I'm done with work on Friday. Like if we could just seek stillness. And I'm so happy you said that because that is just such an important part of our growth journey is to be comfortable with the discomfort, Mm -hmm. right? And to like sit in that silence and be like, holy shit, this really is so uncomfortable, but I'm gonna sit with it. I felt that so much in my journey of like cutting out alcohol and kind of sitting with like uncomfortable feelings. And I think it almost becomes, you don't even realize how intentionally you're pushing out negative feelings until you're like the vice is taken away. And then all of a sudden you're flooded with these feelings of discomfort and anxiety. And even things like talking to my friends, it's like that I get uncomfortable and I get socially anxious because I used to have this crutch and it's really crazy to me. And I know you've talked a bit about how binge drinking and your spirituality have kind of been intertwined. I would love to hear more about your experience with that and how binge drinking has played into your journey. Yeah, of course. I mean, my story with alcohol, I feel like can trace back to college as all of ours can and kind of just that normalization of taking 12 shots before even going to a bar. And Mm -hmm. Look, I don't want to like sit here and judge my younger self because like I said, every single part of our journey is meant for us, right? Like that that period of my life was meant to happen and I had fun and I was just living life as a college student, which I think we all should, right? But it gets to a point where we start to really question what it is we're doing and the actions that we're leaning into. And me questioning that behavior started in New York City when I was a year out of college. And I would go out and I was hanging out with the same people that I went to college with. And I was obviously taking on the same drinking habits that I had in college. And then I would wake up and instead of having a Monday off and maybe one class on that Wednesday, I had to go to work and I had to sit in a cubicle, like talk about stillness, right? Like (laughs) that is is when everything came crashing down. It's like, I was drinking, waking up, 
having anxiety on a Sunday and then going and sitting in a cubicle, working a job that I just did not resonate with. And this is something I always like think about. It's like, I had this cubicle with these thick walls and it's like, my thoughts were just bouncing off of every wall that was around me. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really started to question. I'm like, okay, this like, this can't be it. Like this just can't be life. And even all of the older people on my team, like that was the life they lived. It was like happy hour after happy hour. And I just felt like something was off and I couldn't deal with the anxiety. And that led to depression because how long can you maintain that type of lifestyle for, especially working a career that you're not resonating with? It's just this never ending loop and cycle. So I started to really distance myself from that scene. Um, New York City really, really eats you up. So you got to have a lot of willpower to be able to do that. And I started really leaning into holistic wellness in order to take me out of this, this depressive state that I was living in. And that's when I fell in love with this whole holistic world and wellness. And this was probably four years ago, five years ago, maybe even six. Um, And then I noticed that in the points in my life, like even after I had those revelations and I started learning about holistic wellness, I noticed that I would go through these cycles in life where when I would get really anxious about anything, I would get so excited. Like I wasn't binge drinking at that point, but I would get so excited to like go to a restaurant and drink a few cocktails. Mm -hmm. Like that's what got me to that release. And when I moved to California and I was figuring out what I wanted to do with my career, I started to notice these patterns. Like when I would really crave alcohol and when I wanted to be leaning into it and when I would be drinking more than I usually would, it was in moments in life where I wanted to suppress negative feelings. So I sat with myself and I was on this spiritual journey and really understanding like, okay, like I'm protected. I get to surrender to this journey. I I'm guided. There's more meant for me. I just need to lean into this co-creation with the universe. I sat with myself and I'm like, you know, if I just stopped leaning into the coping mechanism, what would happen? I was like, what would happen if I stopped leaning into alcohol every time I was anxious. For me, I was like, oh, okay. Like I'll probably just stop feeling anxious. I did not realize that taking the alcohol out of the equation would force me to sit in stillness. And therefore, like how we've been saying, sit with the emotions, release it. And then I would transcend to a new level of my life. So alcohol or not drinking alcohol, combining that with my spiritual journey, It's like I really started to dive into what would make me feel the best I can feel right now. And taking that alcohol out of the equation gave me the space to ponder about my decisions in life, to figure out what I wanted to do. It gave me the space to feel my emotions, right? Like even when you stop drinking alcohol, there's discomfort because everything's going to start to come up that you've been kind of forcing down. Um, so I told myself, you know, what's a hundred days, let me take a hundred days without alcohol. 
and this was last December, December 5th. I, I'll never forget. My friend had a birthday party and I drank like five espresso martinis. And I woke up the next day and I'm like, okay, this is it. We're <laughs> taking a hundred days. <laughs> so I did a hundred days and it was life-changing to the point where I got to the hundred day mark. And I told myself, you know what? I want to keep going. And it wasn't until my sister's wedding, which was in July of this year, that I had a glass of champagne. And I realized, you know, I think I'm fine. I think I'm okay now. I'm a, I can allow myself the freedom to pick up a glass of alcohol if I desire to. Mm-hmm. So my journey has only progressed since then. It's like, I dove into sobriety and was like, I'm never going to drink alcohol again. And then a hundred days turned to 200 days, turned to 300 days. And I was like, you know what? I feel like I can trust myself now. It's about building that trust with yourself. And at my sister's wedding, it was like, almost like this test that I have with myself. I'm like, let me just like have a glass of champagne and see what happens. And it was so funny because I thought that I would slide down this hill of like, oh my God, I'm going to want to just drink all the alcohol. I didn't even go to the bar once. Like I was so in the present moment and just enjoying my sister's wedding that every time there was a glass in my hand, I would just kind of like take a sip and put it down. And it just goes to show that when you have that trust with yourself, you can really just allow yourself the freedom to do what feels right. So now I'm still not really drinking. Um, like I haven't really drank when I go out to dinner. I've probably have had like a total of 10 drinks since last December, but that restriction aspect isn't there. And I just feel so much more free to just live the way that I want to live. And if there is a celebration where I want to have a glass of wine, I'm going to allow myself to have a glass of wine. And I think it's really, really important. This is something that I always like to share with my clients. When you want to drink, check in with yourself. Are you picking up a cocktail or a glass of wine in order to elevate yourself up higher from a lower state? Is there something that you're wanting to not feel in that moment? Because if the answer is yes, maybe grab the club soda instead, right? (laughs) Like maybe in that moment, we could have the club soda with the lime. Because when we sit with those feelings, that's when we get to evolve and grow. And in those moments where you're celebrating, you're at a wedding, or maybe you're having a beautiful dinner with a partner and you just want to celebrate that moment, why not? Right. Mm -hmm. So my whole journey with alcohol has been just really ever evolving over the past few months and um, combining that with a spiritual practice as well. Like people always say that you'll hear in the spiritual world that like alcohol is just like the root of evil and it's called spirits because it releases all of our evil spirits from us, which I definitely fell into believing that at first, which I would agree that it does not bring out the prettiest sides of people, but that's with extreme overuse. And I think it's really important that when we're restricting something to understand why we're restricting it, is there a lack of trust in ourselves? 
And if we can have a healthy relationship with something that is not kind of putting a, an entire stump in our life and deterring us from our journey with life, it is okay to have a healthy relationship with something. Um, so yeah, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love that answer. It's so funny because our journeys are very similar, like timeline wise, because my I, mine was January and then I didn't drink until my sister's wedding in June. So it's like literally same situation. Um, and I haven't drank since my sister's wedding, but I love what you're saying about like being very intentional. And that's something I think thought about a lot. And I thought about at my sister's wedding, I was the maid of honor and a lot of the morning was stressful and like filled with like negative stress failings. And so even though having a glass of champagne may have been celebratory when we were getting ready, I was like, I'm stressed. My body feels stressed. And if I drink this champagne, my body is going to be like, ah, you just fixed it with like that. There's the fix. I was stressed and now it's been fixed with champagne. So I didn't let my, I didn't drink until like after the dinner, basically when like all of my duties were done, I was like, okay, time to relax. Like my sister had some wine. She was relaxing. Like everyone was chilling out. And I was like, okay, this is like, now my intention is like celebrate, connect. And I can like have a glass of wine to do that with the people around me. So I love, I think that's so important to drink with intention, regardless of how you're drinking and be hypercritical of yourself and your drinking behaviors, because it, even if you aren't intentionally like numbing yourself or you don't think like there've been times in my life where I was going through a breakup and I was miserable and I was like, I'm going to drink wine because I'm literally miserable and I want to feel better. And I'm very well aware, but there were more times that I was drinking more because I was stressed and I wasn't thinking about it. It just was happening. So I love that you're saying, like, looking back, you realized all these patterns because I feel the same way. And um, thank you for sharing because, again, literally same journey. I love it. And it it is really intertwined. Like, I think mine was kind of the reverse where I cut out alcohol. Well, I guess similar. I cut out alcohol and then started to be like, oh, I need to touch into with this, like, spiritual side of me because there's, like, something missing that I have been, like, suppressing and avoiding. Now I need to, like, see more beyond, you know, this, like, party culture that I was a part of. So. Yeah, totally. And I think it's really healthy to talk about. Like, that's why I commend you so much on your platform, just because it is so important to hear that other side of the narrative of, okay, maybe this isn't as healthy for us. Because all it takes is the exposure to like one of your TikTok videos to allow someone to reflect on their behavior. And that moment of self-reflection, like, I forget what it was that had me reflecting, but I feel like it was a lot of the content on TikTok talking about sober curiosity was what sparked my journey. And it was just so helpful for me to know that there are people out there questioning normalized binge drinking. And I think that is just so incredible. So honestly, thank you. I don't even know, maybe it was one of your videos that sparked my Maybe I don't know. I love. I was smiling the whole time Nikki was telling her journey because I was like, "That's literally Jordan's, like to a T, exactly." And something that I we talk about binge drinking and like relationship with drinking almost every episode, just because it's something that, especially like coming out of college, it's a confusing thing to navigate. We have some friends that are like still in that kind of drinking pattern. Then we have some friends who like Jordan who are like not drinking at all. And like me in the middle, like there's so many people going on different paths with alcohol, especially in this time of our lives. And I think it's funny. Sometimes I get insecure. I'm like, people are going to think we talk about this too much, but 
whenever we go to social events, like that's the number one thing that people tell us they like. They're almost everyone is like, I love when you guys talk about drinking. Like it helps me think about the way that I drink because it's not, I feel similar that it's not something to demonize, but it is something to like be intentional with. And Mm -hmm. I make sure for me that I, in this year, at least I have not turned to it in a, in a low point, in a point of like, I accept, actually, I do have one exception. It's my plane anxiety. I have such bad plane anxiety that I actually do allow myself to, to use that as a coping mechanism for that. But so except for my plane anxiety, I don't turn to it in a way of like, oh, I've had a bad day or like, I'm really depressed. Like whenever I feel like that, I force myself to think, no, there's better coping mechanisms. Like maybe you should go for a walk or maybe you should do some yoga. And I think that's drinking and corporate culture is one thing you touched about earlier is that I fucking hate how everyone is like, happy Friday, like happy almost Friday. It's almost Friday. I'm like, let's have a cocktail or like give yourself a drink. You deserve it. I'm like, do you guys all fucking hate your life? Like to be waiting for Friday every single goddamn day of the week. Like, why are we counting down to it every week? Like, <laughs> I just want to be in a place and I would like people that I'm surrounded with to be in a place who like work is a part of your life. Yes. But like, you nourish and enrich your life with so many other things outside of work that you don't feel the need to to count down to the weekend. And I understand some jobs are like so soul-sucking that it's hard to be there, but that's one thing that I struggle with in corporate culture. We are like cutting close on time. And there's one thing that I really want to talk about is like abundance mindset and how do we get there? Because we've talked about that a lot. It's like it, with other people on our podcast is you don't want to be like, Uh, projecting a desperate energy you want to like just tune into abundance and gratitude and I think that's something that I really struggle with I don't know how to I say that I want to be that and then I write that in my journal but I don't truly feel that in my soul and Mm -hmm. so I know that's something that's hindering me but I don't I don't know how to like tap into the abundance yeah of course so firstly it's really important to not use gratitude as a mechanism to ignore our emotions. So even for the situation that you're describing, I would really, I would invite you to sit with that emotion and to really breathe into that feeling and to ask yourself, why am I having this resistance towards gratitude and to honor what comes up? Because it's really, really, really important that we're just not writing what we're grateful for and ignoring the harsh feelings, because that can also be used as the tool to ignore the emotions that want to be felt. So For gratitude, it is really important to be writing things that we already have and that make us feel abundant and grateful. And the whole point of gratitude is to slowly create new neural pathways in the brain, new habitual ways of thinking that allow you to then leave your journal, leave the gratitude session and walk into your day-to-day life where you are more more prone to be thinking about what you already have and what you can be grateful for, as opposed to constantly looking at what is lacking. Because when we're always looking at what's wrong, what needs to be fixed, what I don't have, what I need to buy, um, the, the things that I need to accomplish at work, right? Like if we're always looking at that, we're going to create suffering in our present moment. So an abundance mindset really comes into play when we start training our brain to think in forms of 
gratitude, right? And it can sound like, oh, whatever, like, I don't feel like writing three things in my journal that I'm grateful for. Like, that sounds so tacky. But it's in that repetition of doing that each day where you slowly start to evolve the way that you think. Like, if you wake up every day and write what you're grateful for for 60 days in a row, don't you think that your mindset is going to be a little different in your day to day, right? So, feeling abundant is about truly looking around at what you already have and feeling good about it, right? And understanding that even during the days that are tough where we didn't didn't get the raise or couldn't, I don't know, buy that thing that you wanted, like where your mind would more so go towards lack, even during those days, you can turn and look up at the roof over your head or you can look at the food that is on your plate and really be super grateful for what you have in front of you. So this gratitude practice, I always say it's like training the brain to think in forms of gratitude and it will change your entire life. Like when I first moved to California, I was just so quick to walk outside and look at all of the things that it was missing because I was from New York and it was just a a hard adjustment for me. So I was always walking around being like, oh, why do they have that? Why do they have that? Could use this. I don't, I don't, I'm not really liking this. I literally was debating moving back to New York. It is so funny to me because now when I walk outside, I just like have a completely different mindset. I literally feel like I'm living in a different location when I'm not living in a different location. I'm living exactly where I was two years ago. So it's just, goes it goes to prove that when you do the work to lean into abundance and gratefulness your reality shifts what you see shifts what you begin to attract also shifts because if you're always feeling grateful for things you attract more of what is on that vibration more abundance right more things to be grateful for if we're always constantly looking at what's lacking i don't have enough money um i don't have a partner we're always going to be in that, that vibration of lack. And that is just a habitual way of thinking just as well as gratitude is, right? So tapping into that abundance mindset is all about creating those new neural pathways to shift the way that you see reality and to change the way that you attract. That makes so much sense and is clear in a way that I didn't understand. It was that simple and that easy. (laughs) I thought it was so much more complicated and more woo woo and difficult and like hard to like enlightened than that. And it's just like, oh, I just have not been keeping up with my gratitude. And that's why. Oh, I just need to write three things in my journal and I'll fucking have it. Like believe in it. That's wow. Um, thank you for sharing that. Like I said, I, I don't know why I thought it was going to be so much harder than that. Well, also I think side note is that you putting that like clicked in my head because when I struggle to have the abundance mindset and find myself um, abundance mindset and find myself like in a constant, like, I don't know, rut of emotions sort of, I it's when I'm on my phone more and scrolling more and seeing what other people are doing and seeing how their lives are and like the trips they're taking. And I don't know. So I think whenever I'm scrolling more and less present, even not just scrolling, like just less present in general, I 
feel the abundance like slipping through my fingers and I just feel myself like drifting into yeah. more negative headspace so it's nice to have you like put that so simply so that I can like just uh, do the journaling thing like I just gotta fucking do it. <laughs> but essentially what's happening when you're on your phone that much and feeling less of that abundance mindset you're doing the opposite right like you're training the brain to always be looking at what you don't have that's why social media love and hate it but like if we are following people that we're always comparing ourselves to you're doing the opposite of what a gratitude practice does like you're quite literally creating new neural pathways in the brain to always be firing like don't have that don't have that and then you step outside and your brain thinks it's still looking at instagram oh my god that person has that that person has that it's a downward down spiral <laughs> yeah actually have on that note one more like totally selfish personal question on that exact note is something that i really struggle with in us trying to like build this platform build this podcast is that i in my soul, I'm like, I don't want to be on my phone. Like I deleted social media for a year. And the only reason I redownloaded it was for the podcast. But then I find myself doing, not working for the podcast, but mindlessly scrolling and just then spending so much time on my phone and continuously hating it. And so I feel like in my energetic frequency, I'm putting out energies that aren't aligning because on one side, I'm like, I want to put work into the, into like the marketing and social media aspect and grow the podcast. But the other side, I'm like, I hate social media and want to move to nowhere and like be in the middle of a farm and never yeah. have a phone ever again. So I don't know how to do both. And for someone like you, who is posting on TikTok and probably Instagram, and you are posting content and like building a community, how do you, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah. So I think it's really, first of all, I'm not perfect either. Like I definitely have my days where I'm like, what am I doing? It's been like, two hours and I've been looking at my phone. So, but what I do like to remind myself is like, be the creator, not the consumer. Because as soon as you are the consumer, as much as we're telling ourselves, we're doing market research, like, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and also you can bring in the exact same practices that we just spoke about with alcohol. Like check in with yourself, like what is the intention? And if you are in a state where like, you're kind of like ignoring some uncomfortable emotions or maybe boredom, right? Like that's an emotion or a feeling that like, we don't like to feel check in with yourself and then see, okay, should I pick up my phone or can I do something else? And the thing with the, uh, being a creator as opposed to a consumer, why I love that so much is because <laughs> when we consume we compare it's kind of just like how our brains work and when we compare we stunt our growth with our own creation so it's really really important to take note on how much you're consuming versus creating because when you get stuck in that comparison game you're going to constantly question what it is you're creating right because you're always thinking about what everyone else is posting and what the trends are like how many freaking social media experts with what's trending, right? Like, can we listen to before we go crazy? So really stepping into the seat as the creator, like I'm giving my own advice to myself too. Like we can all use this advice, like create over consume and we will be golden. <laughs> um, yes, I feel that like a million percent on every platform I'm on. Um, it's a huge struggle. And I end up taking these like 
I end up like binging and like, I like just, I will take like three week breaks and not post anything. And then I'll post like six things in one week. And then I'm like, oh fuck, I'm burnt out again. And like, just, just like such a cycle. Um, so I'm glad to hear you, hear you are feeling that also. And also that's such a good like mindset shift and to like create. And also something I've found is like, like, what is the desired outcome? Like my desired outcome is that other people agree with what I'm saying and that people believe in these like things that I'm putting out there. And it's so easy to get caught up in like likes and follows. And it's like, that's not what it's about. And I have to shift my priorities. And I often take breaks because I'm realizing I'm spiraling down, comparing my following count to other people who started posting the same time as me or like whatever it is. So yeah, I think the comparison thing and being like, I'm here to create content and for this purpose, instead of like doom scrolling. Um, hundred percent. Right. Before we wrap up, I would love our final question. Do you have like one book or resource or podcast? That's like your favorite thing, um, that you could share, or it can be like your current favorite thing. Cause it's hard to pick one, um, that you yeah. share with other people to listen in. Um, the book, the untethered soul, like as soon I as you ask, and <laughs> everyone always says, I have that book. And it's so funny, like you'll pick it up when you need it the most. It's just so funny. That's how books work. Like you will quite literally find, books will find you. And Mm -hmm. that book is one that brought me out of um, a really dark period in my life. And that was literally the spark. I should have added that in the beginning story, but that was the spark to like my spiritual awakening was that book. That book is amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know I've, I've audibled it, but I finally got it to like, listen, I were to read. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. I need to like, like highlight and like underline stuff. Take notes, annotate it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. If you want to uh, share where people can find you, you obviously have incredible social platforms. So shout those out. And, yeah, yeah, totally. It's the same handle for both TikTok and Instagram oaths to growth. Amazing. And we'll tag them in the show notes. Um, but thank you so much. This has been incredible. We were so excited for this conversation and it absolutely did not disappoint. We learned so much. I like still, we probably will have you back on because I have a billion more questions yeah. for you. <laughs> I feel like we could dive so much deeper into like the spiritual stuff. Everything. This yeah. is more, more like mindset and mindfulness, but that stuff is just as important. Yeah, totally. Totally. No, this was so helpful. It was so amazing being on this. Like this is going to be in my, uh, in my, uh, calendar forever like first podcast episode ever <laughs> yay <laughs> we love that. thank you guys so much it was a blast yeah. yeah thank you like I can talk forever about manifestation and to be honest the spiritual stuff is kind of a little more difficult to talk about because I'm still really navigating um my own spiritual journey just because of like what you said there's so much information out there and um I actually just hired my own coach recently where I'm working through a lot of my own blockages. Um, So, so much to talk about and also like subconscious mind and programming and manifestation. I could talk about that for literally hours. So we'll have to do this again. (laughs) Oh my God. Absolutely. We, we already planned for that. (laughs) I'm here for it. Thank you guys so much. This was so fun and just such an incredible first experience. Yeah. Good. We're so glad. Thanks so much for joining us.